0: Renee and I have been married for 23 years. I know. Our wedding day was August the 5th, 2000. And I remember pretty much all of it, virtually all of it, just like it was only yesterday. I remember what Renee's hair looked like. I remember her dress. I remember her veil. I remember the the delicate lace neck piece that she wore. And the red roses that she held in her hands when she walked in the church that day. I remember standing at the, at the front of the church. And I was standing on, on, this, on this side of the, of the altar area, the stage. When the back doors opened. And she walked in the back. And I, I remember being just captivated by her beauty in that moment. And I had see, see, we didn't do necessarily do things like, like really old school traditional, right? Like I'd seen the wedding dress. I'd seen Renee in the wedding dress prior to that moment. But, but in that moment, I was just captivated by how beautiful she was. And I, I was left breathless and speechless. I could o- literally, I could only stand there in awe as tears began to well up and, and run down my face. And then when it came time to to share and exchange vows, I could barely get the words together. And I didn't even have to remember them because we had the pastor just do the repeat after me because there was no way I was coming up with anything on my own. I was just a blubbering mess. There's something in us, something, you know, intrinsic in us that's drawn to beauty. Whether it's beauty found in a person, like I was captivated with Renee's beauty, or whether it's, it's beauty in an act of kindness, or in dance, or in art, or in, in music, there's something inside of us that draws us towards what's beautiful. And then there's, there's, there's also, a, like, I'll, I'll say it this way, like a level of beauty that just transcends words where you just need to experience it because there's no words to describe what it is that you're seeing or experiencing or hearing. We find find some of these examples in the Bible when authors are trying to use our human language to describe scenes in heaven or to describe what God looks like. Like, for example, in in Revelation chapter 4, it says this, Behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there appeared like the crystalline sparkle of a jasper stone and the fiery redness of a sardius stone. And encircling the throne, there was a rainbow that looked like the color of an emerald. And in front of the throne, there was something like a sea or large expanse of glass, like the clearest crystal. So this is John's description of what he's seeing in heaven. He's seeing God sitting on the throne and he's trying to describe what God looks like. And this is what he says God looks like. He's sparkly, he's multicolored with the fiery redness like a ruby, and the ra- there's a rainbow that surrounds his throne that's green like an emerald, but still somehow like a rainbow. Like sometimes I think we just read over these things that we're reading in Scripture. Oh, it's like a, like a, like a green emerald rainbow. How do you have a green emerald rainbow when the rainbow is multicolored? I mean, I don't, I don't understand even what he's trying to describe to us. And then there's, it comes this moment where words just seem to completely fail him. He's like, I see something. I see something. It's like, like, like a sea or like, like a large expanse of glass. But it's like the clearest crystal. Like words are completely failing John to describe what he is, what he's seeing. But he's, it, this is, this is beauty beyond words. It transcends words. Like there's no way for John to accurately communicate what he was experiencing and seeing. Where, are you guys familiar with, uh, with, with the, the I'll, I'll say it this way, the song is more than a song, but Handel's Messiah? So oral tradition has it that King George II stood during the chorus of Handel's Messiah because he was so overcome and overwhelmed with the beauty of the music and the lyrics that he didn't know what else to do. Like, kings, kings, like royalty doesn't stand, royalty sits, but he is so overwhelmed with beauty that he didn't know what else to do, so he just stood up in the moment to acknowledge the beauty of what he was experiencing. And this, this standing during the chorus of Handel's Messiah has, has become almost, almost universal tradition that people will, whether they're, they're church people, Christian people or not, they, where they'll stand as the chorus begins to, to be played and to begin to be uh, sung. There was even um, way back. Do you guys remember flash mobs? <laughs> like they're like this used to be. A, this used to be a big thing. So I think it was like back in 2007. There was a flash mob that that uh, a choir did in a, in a mall um, in uh, Niagara Falls, Canada. And in the middle of lunch, there was about eighty an eighty member choir in this packed mall. All of a sudden they started singing Handel's Messiah. And it started with this one lady who was on, who was on her cell phone and she just, she just stood up and she started singing. And then different, at different times, all these people joined in. And then what, what began to happen as someone was videoing this, this entire thing is people who weren't part of the choir just began to stand up. They were just standing there. Because there was this, and it was honestly, I watched it. It's it's on YouTube. And and I was was watching it in in my office as I was preparing this. I was watching this video. I was just overcome by just how incredibly beautiful it sounded. These people standing, this random flash mob singing this song. When Handel finished composing the Hallelujah Chorus, he, he said this. I think I saw heaven opened. And I saw the very face of God. He, he felt like heaven opened and he beheld the beauty of God and then composed something that was so beautiful. There's nothing God does that isn't beautiful. Right? From sunsets and flowers and animals to sunrises. Uh, Oscar sent me a picture of the sunrise this morning from just outside the front of our building and it was just fire red. It was so beautiful to mountains and forests and oceans. We stood on, on Friday, we stood on the, the top of the glider port in La Jolla and we watched the, the, waves, the waves coming in. I don't know if you guys realize, but there's this massive wave swell that's coming on, on San Diego. The waves were like 15 to 20 feet high. And we just stood there and I was videoing and, and taking photos of the waves as they came in. It was just, it was incredibly beautiful. There is beauty all around and its source is God who is beauty. See, beauty is is part of the kingdom because God is beauty. Beauty declares the glory of God. It declares his nature. It declares his goodness. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20 reads this. This is from the Passion Translation. It says, from the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made visible, such as his eternal power and transcendence, He has made his wonderful attributes easily perceived through his creation, the wonderful things he has made. For seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So then this leaves everyone without an excuse. No one can say, I didn't know know about God, because God worked in creation, creating this beauty, and it all declares God. See, Paul's saying that the beauty of creation declares the reality of God and all of his attributes, his sovereignty, his majesty, his glory, his kindness, his love, his grace, his mercy. It's declared in what we see in creation. We, we can look at, the, at the, the natural and visible created world around us. And it helps us understand who God is. And God is, but God is like supernatural and invisible. But the natural and, and visible helps us understand what we cannot see and what we cannot understand. The visible reveals the invisible. It's like, like, like the natural reflects the supernatural, and it speaks to us. It speaks to all mankind. It speaks the, the, about the, the reality of God. And it stirs within us, and it stirs within people, this, this hunger, this searching for God. And this search for God, if people follow that search and they, they, don't, they don't give up on it, it leads us straight to Jesus who in the book of Hebrews, it says he is the exact representation of God the Father. Jesus is God in human flesh. And this is, this is what we celebrated last week, right? We celebrated Christmas. We celebrated the birth of Jesus, who is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Author Brian Zahn wrote a, wrote a book, uh, and it's called Beauty Will Save the World. And in, in his book, he tells the story of Prince Vladimir, who is a prince in Russia, and he lived at the end of the first century. And I want to read you, I want to read you like two paragraphs from his book. He says, this pagan monarch was looking for a new religion to unify the Russian people. And toward this end, Prince Vladimir sent out envoys to investigate the great faiths from the neighboring realms. When the delegations returned, they gave the prince their reports, and some had discovered religions that were dour and austere, like cold. Others encountered faiths that were abstract and theoretical, but the envoys who had investigated Christianity in the Byzantine capital of Constantinople reported finding a faith characterized by such transcendent beauty that they did not know if they were in heaven or on earth. And this is their words of of that envoy. Then we went to Constantinople, and they led us to the place where they worshiped their God, and we knew not whether we were in heaven or on earth. For on earth there is no such vision nor beauty, and we do not know how to describe it. We only know that God dwells among men, and we cannot forget this beauty. So, upon receiving the report from that delegation of the unearthly beauty that they had witnessed in Christian worship, Prince Vladimir immediately adopted Christianity as the new faith for the Russian people. So you can, it can be said that beauty was brought, that beauty brought salvation to the Russian people. Isn't that incredible? That they stepped into a moment of worship, in a place of worship. And these people were overwhelmed with the transcendent beauty of that moment and they did not know whether they were in heaven or on earth. And it was the beauty that captured them and captivated them. See, when our God, who is beauty, works in people, it results in beauty. Isaiah chapter 61 prophesies about the mission that the Messiah was to fulfill. And we know this now to be Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. And in verses one and two, Isaiah writes, he's prophesying that Jesus would bring things like good news and freedom, healing, hope, favor with God. And then in verse 3, Isaiah writes and talks about these things that the Messiah will, will bring and do. He says, To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. See, there's this divine exchange that Jesus makes with us where he takes away everything, like, like what I would call like the ugliness of life. This is, this is ashes. This is mourning, despair, doom, hopelessness. And instead, so he takes away all that ugliness of life and what he gives to us is beautiful things. Things like joy, festive praise, celebration, crowns and new garments. This is beauty for ashes, See, ashes is what remains when fire has consumed all the fuel that there is. At the end of a fire, if you go into the fireplace, it's just ash. No, nothing left. Nothing remained. It's been fully consumed. And in, in, in the Hebrew language, that word for ashes figurative, figuratively means worthlessness. Just let that sit for a minute. That Jesus takes all of the worthlessness out of your life. And instead, he gives you beauty. He puts beauty in you and he works beauty in you. No one but God can take the ash heap of your life, the rubble and the destruction and the hopelessness and bring something beautiful out from the midst of that. Because he gives us beauty for our ashes. See, he wants to put the very glory of God inside of us, his presence in us, that we would radiate his beauty. Why? For his glory. It's all for him. See, when we reflect the beauty of God and we go about our day and we go to the store, we go to work, we, just, we walk down the street, we just are and we reflect the beauty of God, it brings praise and glory to Jesus. See, there's something about beauty that is transcendent and it triggers inside people praise to God. Like, have you, I, there's been times where I've, you know, ridden a gondola to the very top of like a mountain peak and you're, you're standing on the very height, like where I was, was was the Rocky Mountains. So you're standing on the very peak of the Rocky Mountains and you stand and you, you look around and I've just been overwhelmed by the incredible majesty of what I was looking at. And then I turn and you look and you see people all around you and they're doing the same thing. They're just standing and staring. And in their own way, in that moment, that is praise being offered up to God as they are in awe of what they're looking at. See, when, when people look at your life because they know you and they know where you came from and they know what your life was like before Jesus... And when they look at your life and they see what, what God has done, how they've, he's, he's taken the, the, the rubble and the ruins and the ashes of your life and he's worked something beautiful in you, whether they communicate that with words or not, they're staring at you and they're in awe of what they're seeing because they know you and they know you didn't do that on your own, that God worked something in you. A few weeks ago, Gretchen felt the Holy Spirit speak to her from Isaiah chapter 62. She felt like God was talking to her about our church and that the promises in Isaiah 62 were for our church. After she shared this with me, I was sitting and I was reading through Isaiah 62 and I was preparing for this message. And this is what verse three says. You will also be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. Gretchen had no idea what I was going to speak about today when she sent that to me. She sent that to me on December the 17th. See, Isaiah 62 speaks of the coming uh, and, and future glory of Zion, of, of Israel, of Jerusalem. And, and Isaiah's prophesying about the end of days. If you remember over the summer where we, we, we taught through the, the book of Revelation, at the very end of the book of Revelation in chapter 21, John sees the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. This is what Isaiah's prophesying about. But I also believe that there is a, a prophetic application for us today. Because right? many of the Old Testament prophecies, they, they had a direct application for that day when they were spoken, but they also have a future fulfillment. And so I believe that Isaiah 62 has got application for us today, even though the, fut- the fulfillment of it is coming, it's in the future. Because I believe that the Lord is bringing about a, a, a beauty it, to our church in this day. That we will be uh, as, as a crown of beauty in the hand of our God. That he is currently doing this in us in our midst, in you, in your life. And there is more to come. See, as I, as I look out over you who are sitting here today, I can see the beautiful story that God is writing. Many of you, I, I, know, I know your story. Maybe not all of it, but I know good, good parts of it, good pieces of your story. And where you've come from, and what God has done in your life, and what he is doing. He's doing beautiful things. You are his masterpiece. He is working beautiful things in you that you cannot do on your own. God not only has plans of beauty for us in our lives, but he has plans of beauty for our church, our church building. As most of you know, over the past couple years we've been following the promptings of the Lord for our for our building, for our facility. And we've not only been praying and actively praying that God would, would, would build us and give us a new building, but we've been working with an architect to come up with a design concept. And my prayer and, and our, our leadership team's prayer throughout this whole process is, has been this. God, I wanna build what's in your heart. Show us what's in your heart so that we can build that. I don't wanna, I don't wanna build what's in my mind, what's in my heart, what I see, what I vision, Jesus, I want to know what's in your heart and I want, to, I want to build that. And we believe that the Lord wants to do something new and beautiful with our building. See, the building that we are sitting in, where we sit today, was first constructed in the 1940s, maybe even a little earlier than that. And it was the first, just a, a small little church, church auditorium, church sanctuary. And we're actually sitting where that first building, the original building was built, is in this room. And then over the years, this building has been built onto and added onto, and as you can see, it's no longer just a small little church building, right? But it's, it's, it's a big, expansive facility. And you can actually see, if you've ever wondered, maybe you haven't, but if you go to the cafe and you walk down the hallway that slopes, and there's, there's um, pictures of the progression of our church building from the very, very beginning when it was just a, like a, a thatch hut to what we see today. And we are the only thing that's ever been at this address is this church. This facility that we sit in today has been used for incredible ministry throughout, well, we're 90 years old next year. 2024, we turn 90. So you think about the incredible ministry that's taken place over 90 years from this church the people who have been touched and reached, missionaries that have been sent around the world, people who have been saved, healed, delivered, families who have been changed and transformed. A city has been touched and ministered to and loved on. This facility has been very, very well used. There was a time, there was a time when you would stand across the street and you'd look across at the building and it was a sight to behold where it was beautiful. Today, our church needs some love and it needs some help, putting it gently. Several years back before Jim and Gretchen um, made our church their home, Jim was sitting at the lights over here on the the intersection of uh, La Mesa Boulevard and Jackson, and I believe was facing south, and sitting there waiting for the light to change. When he looked up and he looked over um, and saw this church building, And if I'm catching the story right, I hope I am. Um, Jim thought to himself as he looked at the church, and this is what he thought. That church looks old and tired. They could use some help. If you've ever stood across the street and looked at our church, it just kind of blends into the block. Right? Like it's just from, you know, Baskin-Robbins all the way. Honestly, if you ask people, if you're trying to tell people where we are, usually they say, like, oh, there's a Baskin-Robbins right beside us. And they're like, oh, that church. I know that church. We're recognized by the Baskin-Robbins beside us, right? Because we just, we just blend into the block. And as, as Jim sat at that light, he prayed for that church without knowing then that Jesus would move them here to our church family, where they're both now in church leadership. Jim sits, sits on our board. He prayed for this church before he was ever a part of it, thinking like, God, they need some help. What I want to share with you in just a moment is I want to share with you a video walkthrough that our architect has come up with working with us of the design concept of what we believe is in the heart of Jesus for our church building. We've settled on this and this is the target. But listen, before we we see the video, I want you to begin to ask the Lord to show you what's in his heart, that you wouldn't just see with your natural eyes, but you would see with the eyes of your spirit, you would see with the eyes of faith, you would see with the eyes of your heart. And I want you to know and understand that this—this this, what you're about to see is, is a concept, okay? It's not like hard architectural drawings. They don't show you which way the doors open and how far apart things are. This is the target. There's a lot of work left to be done. But this is the dream. This is what's in the Lord's heart. So watch with eyes of faith. Eyes of faith that will partner with Jesus and dream of what could be. As he begins to release his dream. Into our reality. Let's go ahead and, and turn the video on.
1: You are here moving in the midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship. You are here, moving in our midst.
0: It's a beautiful building. And that's family where we're going. You know, this past fall, I was walking uh, through the surrounding neighborhood, just walking the streets and I was praying. And then I, I found myself asking the Lord this question. What can our church do for our city? And almost immediately, I felt God respond. And I felt him say, build the building build the building. The new building is for the city. Now let's listen. Yes, there will be like community access and ministry that will take place in the building. We'll we'll give food away. There's there's going to be incredible things that, that 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 happen in the building. Community will have access. We will do ministry. But this is not that is not what I felt like God was referring to. What I felt like he was referring to is the beauty of the new building will itself speak to the hearts of people and draw people to a place of praise to God and relationship with Jesus. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. Like I, 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 I reading the story of those, those, pe- those Russian people who stood in the place of worship and they were overwhelmed by the beauty of what was taking place in worship. Jesus is worth it. So no, I, I, I don't think that an old, tired, blended into the block building represents Jesus well. Like, just to, just to be real. Like, I don't, I don't believe it represents Jesus well. I want people that don't know Jesus to see the excellence and the beauty of our church and be drawn to Him. How I don't know. I don't understand how God does these things. I don't understand how God speaks through through sunsets and sunrises and, and, and mountain ranges. When you stand there and you just like, Wow, God, You're real. I don't have to know how. That's not my realm. That's His realm. My heart and I, I like I close my. I've seen that video so many times. I close my eyes and and I I, I picture worship services and the presence of God filling that auditorium and and the beauty of that moment like like our worship now sounds sounds beautiful but I I I picture more than just sounding beautiful beautiful I picture it visually beautiful visually appealing with art with dance with motion with lights with a beautiful building I want people to, the, to feel the beauty of Jesus in that atmosphere of our church building because buildings speak and ours is going to declare that Jesus is real and that he is Lord. And so what this will be is this is an offering to and for the glory of Jesus. And I just, I want to speak this out there that it's not wasteful if it's for Jesus. Right? There's a story in the Gospels of a woman who took what's called an alabaster box. And inside this box, sealed up, was, was fragrance. And the value of the contents of the box, the value of the fragrance, was one year's salary. It doesn't matter when you live, that's a lot of money. Right? Today, that's a lot of money. Back then, that was a lot of money. And she took this box... And she broke it open and she poured that fragrance out over Jesus. And there were people, there were disciples that stood back watching what was taking place. And what they were thinking was, what a waste. We could have sold that and used that money to minister to the poor, to do outreach into our city. But Jesus took it as a beautiful offering of worship to him. Because if it's for him, it's not wasteful. Jesus is worth it. I kind of bring this to a close today. I want to read a story from 2 Kings chapter 4. So if you, if you have your Bibles, you can go there real quick. 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. It sounds like a lot, but it's, it's not. It's not a lot. This is what it says, starting in verse 1, 2 Kings 4. Now one of the wives of a man of the sons of the prophets cried out, cried out to Elisha for help, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant reverently feared the Lord, but the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves in payment for a loan. Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have of value in the house? She said, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a small jar of olive oil. Then he said, go borrow containers from all of your neighbors, empty containers, and not just a few. Then you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out the oil you have into all these containers and you shall set aside each one when it is full. So she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons and they were bringing her the containers as she poured the oil. When the containers were all full, she said to her son, bring me another container. And he said to her, there's not one left. And then the oil stopped multiplying. She came and she told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt and you and your sons can live off the rest. Many, many months ago, I've been praying into and dreaming about this moment that I'd be able to share this video and and the target, the concept, the design concept. And as I was praying and asking God, like, how do I communicate this? I felt him give me this story as I was praying about this day that we would unveil the, the design concept. See, how is not the question for us to be asking the Lord today. How is not the question? How is this going to happen? How are we going to pay for this? That's not the question that we need to be asking the Lord today. Because what I believe that the Lord is saying through this story, and I mean, I could have just spent my entire message unpacking these seven verses. But I want believe that the Lord is saying is he is saying that he will bring provision for the need at hand and the provision will flow until the need is fully met. That every container, until every container is full of oil, the oil will flow. The oil will flow until every container is full. Our job is to partner in faith with him, and what he's doing is not to question him and ask, how? How is this going to happen? How are we going to to pay for this? How, How are the details? I don't know, but he knows. How is his job? My job is not how. Your job is not how. Our job is to courageously step out in obedience and partner in faith with him and follow him. That's our job. See, it wasn't the widow's job to say, how, how is the oil going to, to multiply? How, how, how? Her job was to be obedient. In faith, to go to all of her neighbors and to collect all the containers that she could. And then her job was to close the doors and begin pouring oil. Begin to act. She started with what she had, a small amount of olive oil that could do nothing for her and her need. She started with what she had and she began to pour in faith, faithfully and obediently following his direction. I think typically this is where we call the ushers forward and we receive an offering. (laughs) Some of you are nervously laughing. (laughs) So I've I've spent hours praying about how do we partner with God and what we just saw and what I what I've just laid out before you as the vision. I've spent hours asking Him because that's all I want. God, what do you? How do we partner with you? Right? Honestly, just do this. Right? Look this way in the room. Look this way in the room. I love y'all. We can't do this on our own. This is not happening. If we do this on our own strength, it's not happening. Right? So we need to partner with him. So I don't feel to take up an offering today. But what I feel like the Lord is saying is that we need to partner and respond to him. And this is so funny because this has already been said. I love how God works this because this is what I wrote. We need to partner and respond to him with a yes and an amen. Yes and amen. And what I know that's vague, but what this means is not everyone's going to have the same response. We're not all. God's not all going to ask ask us all to do the same thing. Some of us, He's going to ask us to partner with Him in prayer and to continuously pray that God would would bring about the building, that He that He would make a way, that He would provide. Right? That's 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 your that's your role. And and that's listen, (laughs) that's not a lesser role. Like there is no greater thing that we could ever do than pray, than pray it in. And so for some of you, that's what He's going to ask you to do. For some of you, in a moment, we're going to take a moment, I'm going to ask a couple of you to, to come and pray, uh, pray into this, this, this project. But, and when we do that, some of you, I, I believe, are going to get up and just going to walk over and, you, and you're, what he's asking you to do is lay hands on the old building and to call the new building out of the old building, which I know is weird, but that's what I felt him say, that we are going to call the new building out of the old building. Now, I don't want to diminish that, that there could be somebody here and inside you feel a stirring from the Lord and that you want to give financially. I, I don't want to ever stand and be like, I'm take, to take that away from anybody. And so if you're here and you do want to give, there's envelopes in front of you in the seat pockets and you can just you know, put, put your, your offering in there, right on it building. And you probably have never noticed this, but if you walk out these back doors, there's two black boxes on either side of the doorway. Just drop your offering in there. They're locked boxes, or you can give through through um, through PushPay. Um, this, if you scan that QR code that goes directly to our building fund, or if you have given to PushPay before, in the drop-down menu you can select building fund, and you can give that way. I don't want to rob an opportunity of you if you're, this is what you're feeling God do, but we're not actively going to take up an offering. Now, listen, we're gonna cl- we're gonna close in prayer. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask two or three of you to come and pray. But as we do, I want to, I want to, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, how does this apply to my life? <laughs> like, I came here looking for hope and you're talking about a new building. This means nothing to me. Like literally the ashes that you were talking about a moment ago, that's where I am. And how, like, how does this apply to my life? This is how it applies to your life. That Jesus and Jesus alone can take the ruins of your life and bring something beautiful out of them. All you have to do is what Megan's prophetic word said before at the very beginning. Cry out to him and ask him for help. You put Jesus on your lips and say, Jesus, I need you. That's it. Welcome him in. That's how this applies to your life. He's exchanging beauty for ashes. All right. So I'm gonna ask my wife Renee to come. I'm gonna ask Jim Penner to come. I believe that Jim carries something for, for this. No, I'm just taking a moment. Just bear with me. Luz, would, would you come and pray? And would you pray in Spanish when you do? Would you come and pray over this? And then um, I'm gonna ask for forgiveness in advance. I know. <laughs> Someone's getting really nervous. <laughs> Johan, would you come and pray? I've never asked you to do anything like this before, but you've been on my mind all morning, and I just felt like, just pray whatever the Lord puts on your, on your heart uh, about this, this building. Jim, I'm gonna have you start.
2: Oh, Father, over and over in Scripture, your people came up against something insurmountable, that you asked them to do, you asked them to go into the promised land and take the promised land, yet they come up against the walls of Jericho and said, we can't get over that wall. And yet they could. They just had to have faith in you. And when your children of Israel, when you let them out of Egypt, they thought they were free, and yet they were backed up against the Red Sea with the army bearing down on them, and they said, there's no way around this. We can't get out of this. And yet they could. They just had to have faith in you. So, Father, we look at this building that would cost more than the combined salaries of every member of this church and everybody sitting in this auditorium, and we say, there's just no way. And yet there is, because we put our faith in you. Thank you, Father. We give you all the glory and all the praise.
3: Isaías 61, Isaías 61. El Espíritu del Señor está sobre de mí y de ti. Y unge con nuevas fuerzas para dar libertad a los cautivos y buena, nuevas a aquellos que están oprimidos. Padre Padre Santo, gracias te damos, Padre, por esta nueva, Señor, oportunidad de venir hacia ti. Y, Señor, clamar tu nombre, Señor, para que tu misericordia, Señor, en abundancia, Señor, se rocíe a través de ti, Señor, sobre cada uno de nosotros, nuestro corazón, Señor. Y que clamemos a ti para que venga la sanación, Señor, a nuestro cuerpo, a nuestra alma, a nuestra mente Señor, así como hiciste una nueva construcción Señor en nuestras vidas, tú que amas nuestra alma, así Señor te damos gracias por la nueva construcción Señor que vas a hacer aquí en este lugar, donde su, tu nombre se clama, se convoca, se te exalta Señor, donde habrá alabanza Señor, donde habrá honor a ti, a tu nombre Señor bendito Así que, Padre, bajo tus alas y bajo tus sombras y bajo tu fuego, Señor, y bajo tu, Señor, cobertura, Señor. Es que ponemos nuestras vidas, Señor, y nuestro corazón ante ti y ponemos este edificio y esta área y esta región debajo de ti, Señor, en protección, Señor. Te damos gracias, te damos gloria y alabanza en el nombre de Jesús. Amén.
4: Thank you, Father. We just uh, marvel at your beauty. we just in awe of what you can do, what you've done through the history, all the churches that was already built in your honor. We just ask you to show us how to partner with you today and this next year we have no clue how this is gonna go but we put our faith in you lord because we put our faith in you before and you've always been there So remind us of the times where you were there for us and where you were there for our families and that's how we put our hope into that this is also possible what see, seems impossible is possible for you. Thank you, Father.
5: Amen. I just feel even that the Lord is saying that he's going to begin to ask some of you to do some things that are going to seem really... Um, is, Kind of ridiculous, or doesn't even make sense to the connection, but they are going. It's going to be connected. It's going to unlock something. Uh, so why don't we stand? As I'm, just going to pray um, as the last one here. Let's stand and let's just. Uh, uh, if you're next to someone and you want to like hold their hand or whatever, you don't have to. But if you want to, um, just to kind of unify us a little bit, and um, I'm just going to read something in, in Jeremiah. The Lord said, look, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he replied, he said, I see a branch from an almond tree. And the Lord said, that's right. (laughs) And it means that I am watching. And I will certainly carry out all of my plans. Because the Hebrew word for watching actually sounds like the same word for almond tree uh so the almond and watching and that's what he was showing him and and i believe that god is saying that he is he is watching over his word and his promises for our new building to carry it to fruition completely and in 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 first kings and this is where i'm going to pray right now i'm going to pray through the scripture i am bold to ask father that you would pay attention to our prayers this morning both intercessory and personal that we've prayed out today. Oh God, my God, listen to our prayers that we are setting before you right now. We ask that you would keep your eyes open to this temple, this church, night and day, the place of which you said that my name will be honored there. And we ask that you would listen to our prayers that we are praying in this place. We ask you to send rain on the land that you gave your people as an inheritance. We ask that you would come and do the work that you've promised to do. That you would listen from your home in heaven and answer our prayers. We thank you that people are going to be attracted here by your great reputation, your wonder-working power, all of those who come to pray at this temple, at this church. So hear from your home in heaven this morning, and let it be as you have said, according to your word, as we stand upon your promises, the yes and amen. Amen.
0: God bless you, church family.